Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 am 560 the answer prepare to have your mind opened the lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed this is a revolution in how you think about politics race and culture you've tuned into black and right with john anthony on am 560 the answer I'm coming in hot. Yeah, coming in hot. Just like the fajita. I write what I live. My life in the speaker. I'm nice with the flow. Welcome back to this week's edition of Black and White Radio on AM560 The Answer. I'm your host, John Anthony, live in studio. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I was um, I was privy to be a part of the gubernatorial debate the other night put on by AM560, and I'm going to tell you, it was a very spirited debate. Uh, I thought, um, I mean, it, it started out, the fireworks started out right away. Uh, Jesse Sullivan uh, attacked, went after Darren Bailey, based pretty much on the very first question. Uh, I thought, um, I... I, I, I I don't believe anybody walked out of there undecided. I pretty much, I believe the AM560 crowd has pretty much made up their mind. They know who they're going to vote for in this coming election. I think you're starting to see that in the polls. I think you, I mean, I was told uh, by somebody today that uh, Bailey's up up to 40% and he's pretty much running away with this. And you see that um, Jesse Sullivan has been surging as of late Mm -hmm. and Richard Irving, who was absent from the debate, is just tanking like bad. I don't think I've ever seen some a candidate with that much money tank that quick, that fast. I mean, just just burned out quickly. And I think a lot of it had to do with his messaging and how he came out, you know, attacking and lying. Pretty much the mailers were lies. The videos were lies. And I think that quickly made him tank quickly. And I think the voter said to themselves, we've seen this before. We saw this in 2018 when Rauner did this to Genie Ives. Um, some of the same people that worked on that Rauner campaign is working on this campaign. We ain't going for that. And I think that's one of the reasons why you see Bailey and er, and Bailey and Sullivan pretty much running neck and neck. Uh, well, well, we're running neck and neck up until um, that last debate. I felt like Bailey just had to hold his own. And, I mean, every single candidate pretty much, except... Paul Shemp. Paul Shemp, I thought substantively, he probably had the best night on that debate, substantively. Um, but I thought Sullivan had a good night. I also thought Gary Rabine shined. Gary Rabine actually came through. and I mean, I, I per- personally, I think that was his best debate um, just the other night. And joining me to discuss this and more is my good friend, the troublemaker himself, Elon Galloway, and the Bishop of Truth, Cesar LaFleur. Guys, what did you think about the bait? Did any of you guys get a chance to listen to some of it? 
No, I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but I have been making some observations. You know, I can understand Sullivan's surge. Uh, his ads that have been coming on have gotten uh, increasingly more aggressive. He's going right at uh, Bailey, and uh, so I, I, I've thought he would get a surge. Yeah. Uh, but he's a good candidate, I think. Yeah. But I think part of the reason why Irvin is taking so bad, because mm-hmm. this dude is being shot from all angles. Yeah. Even uh, Pritzker yeah. is, is running ads yeah. against him. And I thought the most effective one was using his own words against him when he called Pritzker a great man, a yeah. great friend, well, that, and introduced yeah. him. And Pritzker's been running those ads continually. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's going the other way. And, and if it's Irvin Pritzker... He will definitely run those ads. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, <laughs> I watched the whole debate, and uh, I pretty much agree with you. I know a lot of people they try to um, get down on Shemp, and that's, that's I'm pronouncing his name right. Yeah, Shemp. Paul Shemp. Paul Shemp for trying to be you know equal handed by saying let's not. He 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 didn't take Amy's question. He he wouldn't respond to that question. He 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 doesn't want the attacks. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted to be like. Just talk about the issues. I understand that's, that. And that's where it should be. And I, and I like that. I like that about him. A lot of people don't like that. They t- told him to grow up and, you know, put your big boy pants on. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be a uh, rumble and tumble. But I like that. And I think Gary Raybon did have a good debate. I think he got his point across. I mean, he's been saying the same point. Mm-hmm. But I think he drove it home today. And people will think about that. Do I want more money in my pocket? Do I want my property to be worth more? Hold value? And, you know, he, and he's he's pro-life. He doesn't stress it as much as uh, Sullivan, but people know he's pro-life and he's he, he'll do right by the people. Uh, Bailey held his own, you know, he like like the front runner should. I don't think he was as substance, you know, uh, substantive as he could have been because he had to fight off Sullivan. But um, I think he held his own. Uh, uh, Sullivan, <clears throat> he 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 was. Stressing his moral card. Yeah. His moral card. Yeah. You know, but Bailey, Bailey, yeah. Bailey should be careful. You know, I understand you just hold your own because you're leading. But you got to finish this thing. got to finish it hard because yeah. Sullivan is surging. Yeah. You know, and so there is the possibility of a, you know, one of these late comebacks. You see these races yeah. where person already in the end, it just comes yeah. blazing at the end. Well, so that's why got, Michael Jordan never let up. That's right. You, you, just, you, you know, keep, he said, break their necks. Yeah. Nope. Don't. There's no chance of you coming back. Well, right. I'm going to tell you, he let. Gary Rabine do his dirty work because he kept calling him Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, and and people don't like Silicon Valley. Not, you know, <laughs> I still think I still think uh, a Bailey will pull out downstate. Okay, yeah. one of the best it. lines though for me was when Gary Rabine, uh, they were talking about the lawsuits, Darren Bailey and his lawsuit, and, and um, Gary Rabine and his lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Gary, I think Rabine said, "I freed eighty million, you freed one." Mm. Basically saying, I my lawsuit affected more people than your lawsuit, which only affected one person. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was that was a that was a real zinger, and that mm-hmm. and you heard it in the audience, and because the audience felt that way too. Yeah, and, but that wasn't Bailey's fault. The judge, that's the way the judge decided. Okay. Well, well mm-hmm. what he's saying is what Raybine was trying to say was, I helped more people uh, than you. Well, he tried. Bailey tried yeah. because he thought if he could get that. Uh, mandate knocked down, yeah. it would help more people. But Gary did it the the other way, you know, business wise. So you well, know. Bailey started all this. I mean, if there was, I, I mean, mean Rayburn did it the other way, uh, business wise. Yeah, but Bailey started the whole thing. Right. If, he did. if, if there's no Darren Bailey lawsuit, I, 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 we probably still would mask and everything yeah. and shutdowns and everything right now to this day. If had Bailey and Tom Devore not gone down there and, and sued the governor, and now they 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 hit Tom Devore saying, I mean, why would you send out a mailer for? To basically 
say to uh, to the voters, this guy sued me. I think I think it's the D- DGA. This guy sued Pritzker. He took the mask off children. Uh, hello. Yes. Wait, so many people wanted that. That's you what we wanted. But you don't understand the mind of a Democrat. They really feel they did the right thing. Not and a people lot. But the will people reward don't. them. They but, think people will reward them. I, I would hope not, because if 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 they do, that's going to be. Uh, again, hence the reason why I, well, I continue to say this can't happen. Are you saying reward them because of forcing us to wear masks and put masks on our children? Yeah. and all of that kind of bonding. You're not. You're not. No, that's what I'm asking. You're not yeah. wording that right. Okay. Protecting you. Oh, okay. From right. the virus. Right. That's how they would say it. And, and save your children and save your life. See, that's the way they're going to work. But if we fall for that, then that is really disappointing because that shows how much in control they are, how sheep as we have become, you know, that anything that they say, they can spin it and get control over us and force us to do these things. You know, it's unbelievable. Don't, don't, don't be a fool. It can happen. Look, 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 at, look at what they're doing now with the January 6th. They do, they doing oh the same thing that they did to Trump in the impeachment. They made up a whole new, new fairy tale. Well, it's really not new, Yeah. but they, but they're just putting on a whole new show and guess what? It's a show. It's still it still twenty million people that's falling for it. Yeah. Well, let's let we, we, the phone lines are lit up. So we must have touched the nerve. Let's go to Brian and Alsa. Brian, welcome to Black and White Radio. Hey. So uh, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. I just gotta say, you know, I Darren Bailey has been, you know, he fought masks, but then on his own farm, he made his migrant farmers wear masks. So. I mean, I get the, what Dan Prof says when I bring this up, um, that, you know, according to federal guidelines, if you're importing foreign labor to work on your farm, you have to have them wear a mask. Yeah. But right. my thing is, if you're going and you're telling other businesses, because this is what Darren said in the debate, that he was going to businesses across Illinois and telling them, don't follow the mandates. Well, why, why didn't you not follow that federal mandate? Or why, why didn't you just uh, pay a little more? to some Americans to work here instead of importing foreign labor. If you're the America first guy, I don't, I, mean, I don't think I don't it really would have Donald Trump is. I don't think it really would have made a difference because they were making Americans wear a mask. The thing about it was He's it's talking a, about the optics of it. I know the optics, but you know, it comes down to well, come on. The, you're the America <clears throat> first candidate. Okay. I mean, okay. Well, hold, well, hold, 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 hold on a second. Plus he gets a lot of subsidies. Listen, millions of dollars. My boss got did the same way. Nobody wants those five hundred thousand dollar fines, man. They, they charge you from fifty thousand to five hundred thousand, and I don't care what you say. It always comes down to the money, and it, that's just that's just it. It does. It, it really. Do. I mean, but you know, I, I get what he's saying. The optics of of, yeah, of it. Yeah. You know, the optics of, of it. You know. Yeah, but the, but the federal government will put you out of business. They keep on five hundred thousand, five hundred thousand. That's the point. Let them try. Come try it. That's that's the fight. Remember, that's I think that's what people are saying. That's the fight. Come try it. Come try to shut me down. You know, you don't have the power to shut me down because show me the law and then I'll I'll acquiesce. That's right. But there's no law. Mark, Andrew, Mitchell, Al, hold the line. We'll take your calls when we get back from break. And now more black and right with John Anthony on AM five sixty. The answer. Just 
just switch your attitude. Go ahead, level up yourself. This that different latitude. Welcome back to Black and Right Radio on AM560 The Answer. I'm your host, John Anthony, live in studio with the troublemaker himself and the Bishop of Truth. While you're listening, go ahead and share the link on Facebook, Rumble, and YouTube. We're um, streaming live from there. And give us a call, 312-642-5600. That's 312-642-5600. Let's go back to the phone lines to my brother, Mark Vargas from Mark My Words. Heard every Sunday from 7 to 9. Mark, you're traveling on down to where? John, it's good to be with you. Verlon, how are you? I'm here with Scott Casper. How you doing? We're on 80 West. 80 West right now, heading down to Trump's rally in Quincy. We're looking forward to seeing the president tonight and uh, should be a should be a great time. Yeah, well, as you know, I'll be leaving the show at 1 o'clock to head down there with you guys. And uh, hopefully we can meet up tonight. Scott Casper, what's up, buddy? Scott says hello. He's uh, concentrating on driving. So oh, he's, he's got driving. The most important. Next, next to your job... John, Scott's got the next and most important <laughs> job, and that's getting us there safely. But I just wanted to say it was an honor to uh, be with you the other night and provide post-debate analysis, and I've been listening to your show while we're on the road here, and you know, a lot of fireworks, candidates came out feisty, and I have to say I like that. I thought that was, it was good to see them feisty, because they got a big fight coming ahead uh, when they when they face Pritzker uh, uh, starting July. I agree, and it's going to be a it's going to be a huge battle to, to go up against you know, a hundred million, two hundred million. Because I think Pritch is going to spend whatever he has to. Because he loses, it completely dims his chances to run for president. Right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And you know, what candidate can withstand a hundred and fifty million dollar character assassination? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tough road ahead, but it's going to be a big challenge, uh, bigger than Pritzker's waistline. But, <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think we'll be in a good position. Yeah. And you and I will be joining um, the um, the analysis on um, election night as well. On election night, yeah, John and I and uh, Mike Scott and Bruce Demont will be live in studio on election night, providing election night analysis. And I think there's going to be a lot of surprises. Yeah. Hey, do, do you guys have a back way in? Because I want you to watch <laughs> out for those protesters. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're fortunate that the. President Trump and his team gave us VIP tickets and VIP Ooh, parking. So nice. they, they were, uh, I know a lot of folks were camping out last night. And I got a call from some friends that said there were already thousands of people there early this morning. Wow. Long lines for parking. You know, the president is going to be drawing people from Iowa, from Missouri, and obviously in Southern Illinois, which is Trump country. That's the whole point. And the optics is get 30,000 people in, in the stadium and then another 10 to 15,000 waiting outside. You know, those are the type of optics that President Trump wants, and he'll yeah. get it because, obviously, he's still incredibly popular. Yeah. And, Mark, what, what, are you um, doing the show tomorrow? I am doing the show tomorrow. Scott and I are going to get back around noon or 1 o'clock. I'll do a little show prep, and I'll be back in studio to provide my thoughts and analysis from the Trump rally, and we'll be talking to several candidates as well. All right. Mark, my word, Mark Vargas with Mark My Words heard every Sunday from 7 to 9. Thanks so much for joining us, buddy. Be safe, guys. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. You know, it still amazes me how popular Trump is. You yeah. know, I travel a lot. I drive all over, you know, this, this part of the country. And everywhere I go, in Tennessee, all over Illinois, in Mississippi, you still see signs, Trump, Trump country, you know, uh, whatever for Trump. The signs are still up. Some billboards, which I know you got to pay for, mm-hmm. they're still up. And then he's still drawing these thousands of people, 
to yeah. these rallies, to yeah. these crowds. Man, what does that say? Yeah. Uh, only number I want to know, if either one of you can get them for me, how many people did he pull from Illinois? That oh, was, how many people are coming? From that, Illinois that, to from Illinois? Trump, yeah. If, if you all can find that number out afterwards. I don't know how you find that out. Yeah, I don't know how, but I would imagine the, that know, will the, kill yeah. Pritchard. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, I mean, Trump got, what, 2.4? Pritchard, well, I, I get, some would say it was in a presidential election, but he got 2.4 million votes out of Illinois. Pritchard won with 2.4 million votes. Hmm. I mean, the votes no. are there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, people cross that line in the primary, though. Uh, let's go back to the phone line. Al, you know, you chump. What's up, buddy? <laughs> Thank you for taking my call, man. I, I had a question because I, I heard the uh, the Trump uh, interview this morning. Uh, it was a yesterday in Illinois, um, and he kind of gave a very, very soft endorsement of Bailey. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think that really means? What? Well, Go ahead. Go ahead. I, well, Go ahead. well I, I heard it, and Trump. This is what he does. He plays it close to the vest, and he says, "You maybe, you know." He 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 looks at it. He looks at the whole picture, and then he'll jump in, like maybe a little before the last minute when it's not a just a out and out and out, you know, pro conservative Trump guy, you know, and he wants to make sure he's not making a mistake. So he just that's just the way he, he he's coy. You say yeah. he's hedging his bets. Yeah, he's, he, well, he, he may hedge his bets. Well, I don't know if you guys saw Mark Vargas' uh, interview with Mary Ahern, and he said Trump doesn't really care about primaries. He cares about general elections. Can you win the general election? So will that be – I think I think I mean, I probably was a favor for Mary, Mary Miller because Mary Miller is really close to Trump. And I, I think he was, to your point, hedging his bets, basically not, not, not coming out fully and endorsing mm-hmm. him. But I'm I'm also hearing rumors that he may come out today and endorse Dan Bailey. Today. That'd be good. But let me I have a question for you, Al. Now that uh, Richard Irvin is all about all but done, who are you going to get behind Uh-oh. for the general? Well, you know what that uh, that debate I thought they just beat themselves up to a a thirty thirty tie. Yeah, but who I'm would not you sure say that he's done? Okay, just answer I'm the question, sure Chuck. You bum. Answer the I, question. I don't think I know. I'm not sure that he's done. And to the twenty uh, eighth, I don't think he's done. Okay, but if he doesn't make it, which it's a it's a real big if, he's not gonna make it. <laughs> who are you gonna endorse? Hypothetically. Hypothetically. <laughs> The GOP inbox themselves into this thing here, and it's, nobody has the money to go against Prisca. I'm just trying to be very realistic. So how do you do this? You just would you want me to posture? I can posture, I guess. Well, money couldn't get your money couldn't get your candidate out Ooh, of the ouch, uh, ouch. out of the primary. Money money ouch, doesn't matter. Words. It's people that wants to believe in somebody that's going to come out and vote. I'm instigating today. Fighting words. <laughs> So you so 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 you you can put the money stuff off the table, get that off the table. Well, that's the only way you're gonna beat a hundred million dollar juggernaut. No, I'm gonna be John today. If people believe, if you can get the people to believe, and all of the information that they know from these two years of lockdown, shutting down businesses, masking kids, and suicides, and everything else yeah. that didn't happen in two years, if you can't get the people to believe after all of that, it don't matter how much money you had. That's true. It's over. Yeah, I, I, I feel you. I, I feel you on that part. But at, at the same time, uh, this uh, the way they attacked Irvin in this uh, in this uh, primary has left a bitter taste in a lot of people's mouths. 
with the GOP in this state. Yeah, but and maybe we'll just come on back around and revisit this again. This is exactly the reason why I said what I said, even to Darren Bailey. I said, you've got to run against Irving, and so you've got to do it aggressively. But you've got to be careful how you do it, because I believe there's going to be people that's going to turn it around and make it look what the GOP did to the black candidate yeah. finally run for the GOP. Yeah. You, you yeah. Know, and, they're, and they're going to say, you yeah. know, look what you all did I'm to I'm already him. hearing that. Yeah. So, so I knew that was going to happen, which is why I said I think the black conservatives ought to be the ones that if we have a, 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 a criticism of Irving, mm-hmm. we should be out front. Let us yeah. be the ones who say it. So you can't turn the racial thing around on it, because race is the answer for everything yeah. now. And that's going to be the answer. Oh, the reason why Richard Irvin lost. No, he lost because of messaging. Yeah, and because of who he is. Yeah. But, you know, it's going to be a lot, a lot of people. The default thing was, see, I told you the GOP was going to do that to the black guy. No. Oh, that's. Well, look, man. Thanks Bailey, so much for calling Bailey, Bailey wasn't going to get a lot of the black vote anyway. I'm I'm counting on downstate Illinois to come out. Well, yeah, and that's what's going to do it. Wait, it, hey, guys, it, let's, let's, let's take Mitchell. Mitchell, you got a minute. W- welcome to Black and Right. Uh, good afternoon, guys. Uh, Aries, uh, Tony Torres. Uh, bottom line, J.B. Pritzker has the king archetype who has a desire, desperate need to control others, okay? He's never worked a day in his life, and he's been the funder of the DNC going back 35 years ago, daddy Number two, when it comes to the dark horse and the GOP, okay, I don't know. Okay, all I can tell you is that Gary Raymond is this. So, you know, those, I think Gary is by far, the, uh, to me, the most, I think, impressive. I think Sullivan is uh, a little, uh, I think he's a little green. Um, I, I don't really trust the fact that, you know, his hedge fund is in cryptocurrency, which is basically now worth about, what, 95% to the negative. Yeah. That's, that's what I call leading. That's, that, those are not great indicators if you want to lead a state. <laughs> and more importantly, okay, the bottom line is this, all right? Hurry up. Whoever they choose, they got to get what I call the critical mass, daddy Like you said, it's content. It's yeah. not your, it's all about your character. Okay? That's it. It's not your race. All right. Thanks so much. Did he say daddy-o? daddy-o. He, I haven't heard that since 1974. That's his thing. Yeah. Uh, when he signs off, he says, Daddy O. <laughs> you listening to Black and White Radio on AM560. I'm your host, John Anthony. We'll be right back. We now return to Black and White on AM560. The answer. Here's John Anthony. Let's go ahead and move it on. Move it on. No, no, no. That's Marvin, baby. King, King Rush. I Marvin. bet you a Rush George Michael I, if he was I playing. I would play George Michael. <laughs> Welcome back to Black and Red Radio on AM560. Yes. I'm your host, John Anthony, live in studio with the troublemaker and the Bishop of Truth. What, what are you beating your eyes I, with? I'm ready. I want to put this out here because we were talking about this during the break, and I think people have gotten a little twisted. They're interming- in- intermingling things that shouldn't be intermingled. What are our principles? You can't have more than one principle when it comes to an issue or values because the left, they live by their own made up morals. It's what I feel today. I think this is morally right today and it may be something else tomorrow. They move with the wind. We are like rocks in the ocean. We, we drop and we stand still. You said we have some people bed, have to move around. Rock principles. We have bit. Thank you. you bedrock principles. See, that's why I love you. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you, we he have bedrock principles. Yeah, yeah. You have to correct me sometimes when I go off on a tangent, and people know that. That's why they don't. They don't. Yeah, care. What, they don't time. care what I say. But I don't. But mind. right now, I'm saying what's right. Yeah. You, you think have, you're right? You have to. Yeah. Principles. Yeah, principles. Are and what's I don't important. think we should mimic the right. left. It's not the personalities. You know, it's not the party. That's right. It's wait, what wait. the principles that are bedrock to you. But let's go there. Let's yeah, talk let's about go what there. we were talking about. Yeah, let's Race, talk about black. Black. Yeah. 
people see, people on our side see character. They don't see race. That's a lie. Oh, okay. Vilan, Vilan, what when you look at Pete, what do you see? A white man, right? I see a good man. But you still see Come white. On, man. He's white. He's a you white know he's dude. white. You don't know you don't know who he is. You don't know his interests. Now see, when you want to really start to, getting to know who he is, but until the Republican Party starts acknowledging black people as black and leave it we stay there, we're not black people will never come to this party. We can't even acknowledge that they're black. Do you know why people like me who've been a black conservative since like the early 90s, you know why people are are, are hesitant to do it? Because somehow people believe that we got to leave our blackness behind. And everything that we were concerned about as black people, the issues that we stood on as black people, even the even the the, the grievances that black people had, that we can't identify we can't identify with but, those anymore because then we're we're playing the race wait, card. No, some of those things are legitimate. Do you know who was at the debate? You know Tyrone Muhammad, Mm-mm. Tyrone Muhammad, the active Chicago activist, the guy that went and broke oh, yes. the win. Yeah, he yeah. was at the debate. I went up to him. I said, Tyrone, what are you doing here? He goes, Dude, we're tired. We're tired of, of listening to the same old, same old from the Democrats. We, we're coming here to say, hey, you know, um, we want to hear from the Republicans about what they want to do in our communities. Mm-hmm. Dude. You know why he said he said Jesse Sullivan. Um, he said Jesse Sullivan has been to our facility, toward our facility. He engaged us. Rabin engaged us. He said, so we're here because they engaged us. They identify who we were. Now, I know these two. They're not. Once you listen, this this is the point. This is what we were saying in the break. Once you, oh, he's black. That's where he ends. Now let me get to know who this person Absolutely. is. Who's the person in? Who is this person? Right. Because you, Valon, you know this coming from the hood. I'm from the hood. People will not go beyond that. Uh, you're right. But I acknowledge when I see a white dude, he a white dude. Mm-hmm. But I wait till their mouth starts moving and hear what they have to say before I judge. That's all. Of course, we know it's all different types of nationalities. But why does it have to go any deeper than that? Let's let's go back to the phone lines. Let's go to Art from Chicago. Art, welcome to Black and Right. Oh, how are you doing, John Anthony and Verlon Hi. and everybody? Um, yeah, it was nice to see you at the Thursday evening. I'm sorry I didn't have money on me over by us. So I would buy you a drink. <laughs> That's fine. What's going on? Uh, and, uh, and I want to mention about Scott Casper, and I talked to him, and I hope, hope I hope I'm wrong, but I mentioned the daughter of Sean Kasten who died. Yeah. And Scott Kasper starts kind of laughing about it. And it was kind of disgusting. Oh. And I'm no way Democrat. I'm not yeah. going to support any Democrat in a, in a general election. Yeah. But it was kind of sick that he started laughing after I mentioned about the daughter of Sean Kasten who died. Yeah. Well, I wasn't there. Um, I know, I know his character. I know he probably, I, I, I wasn't there. So I, I can't defend. You said he lied. I don't know that. I do not, I have no idea that, that Scott, but I know Scott, his character and I, I, I can't see that he would. I mean, may, maybe he misread you, mishurt you, maybe. Well, hopefully so. But I, yeah. I, I talked about daughter of Sean Kessler. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that I'm sorry that you had that experience. But uh, thanks so much for calling. Right? But I, I know Scott's um, character. Let's go to uh, Gary from Lake Forest. Gary, welcome to Black and Right. Gary, you there? Gary's gone. Let's go to Steve. Steve, you got 45 seconds. Welcome to Black and Right. Yeah, quickly. Um, you, a couple minutes ago, you talked about how popular uh, Trump still is with his base. Yeah. You know, so was Jefferson Davis at the end of the Civil War. Oh. You know, in last, last week, you were commenting <laughs> that Lincoln was a Republican, but you didn't comment that when Lyndon Johnson, a Democrat, 
signed the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Oh, you don't want to go with Lyndon Johnson. Passed, that was passed by, by Republicans. Republicans. Oh, right, let me say, can I finish? Yeah, go ahead. Every, um, every Southern racist senator quit the Democratic Party. Oh, the switch. The, home of the Republican Party. The switch, okay? right. And just one more point, if you'll allow me to. Go ahead. You got, you got 10 seconds. Americans, all right. Black Americans overwhelmingly voted for Joe Biden. So when you support Trump and his coup, he was trying to take away every vote of black America. Thank you for protecting <laughs> us. We really needed you to protect our Why vote. did you wait yeah. and take that call uh, last? Thank you. <laughs> man, I would have went toe-to-toe with this guy, man. We can talk about it once we're done with Jamie oh, Milton, who's running for Congress, coming up next. That's the We'll be right I'm back. It's the show the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. It's Black and Right with John Anthony on AM 560, The Answer. Maybe I'm foolish, maybe I'm blind, thinking I can see through this and see what's behind. Got no way to prove it, so maybe I'm lying. But I'm only human after all. I'm only Welcome human back. Black and Right Radio on AM 560, The Answer. I'm your host, John Anthony, live in studio. You know, Bishop Villan. That last caller, yeah, the great switch lie, yeah. You know, I mean, this is this is why you can't trust leftists mm-hmm. to rewrite history, or, or or in our in our history books because they love to rewrite history. That's right. You yeah. know, and to say all that, what he said about Trump, Trump was the one that says, "What in the hell do you have to lose?" Absolutely. It, it, you know, he was the first president to get over twelve percent of the black vote because black people understood that he was really interested in their in, in their interests. Right. And in contrast to the black president we had who said he didn't have a black and didn't do nothing. Trump actually went to Michigan to meet with black leaders to say, tell me what it is that I need to know about being able to formulate a black agenda. And so, you know, these people, they throw this racism and and they rewrite history so they don't have to be accountable. Correct. The Democrats want to rewrite history because they don't want to be held accountable for the KKK and all these other things and all of these issues. They don't want to be accountable. Forget about the Trump thing. All right, let's go back to the. Well, I, I got a, I got a guess. Well, I, got a, I told you I got a guess oh, coming up. Okay, so, okay, okay. Uh, you guys can, ha- you know, hash that out in the next couple we'll of probably, hours. We'll forget them. We'll, we'll, <laughs> <move on. laughs> we'll move on. I'm sure you guys will. Yeah, we will. But I, I want. I, I wish I wish, wish we could tackle that because, you know, I, it, it, it 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 just pisses. Uh, uh, it makes me mad. Where's the button? Yeah, <laughs> dump that, Pete. <laughs> it makes me mad when I hear. I would have just had like one that. simple question for him. Yeah. Right. The big I, I, I got a guest coming on, man. That's the guest. <laughs> so I was. So I, I um I delivered a speech over at Yana. You you are not alone in LaSalle County with Beth um, um Smith and uh, Larry Smith, and there was a candidate there who got up to speak. And when I heard her speak, I said to myself, "She wants. She you guys will love her, mm. um because she told a story, and I'm gonna let her tell her story, but it was it was so moving." And you can hear it got really quiet in the room. I mean, and 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 she wasn't afraid to talk about her faith. Uh, she, Jamie Milton is running for the 14th district in Congress, uh, looking to take on Lauren Underwood. I wanted to have her in t- today so that people can really get to hear who she was. Jamie, welcome to Black and White Radio. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're a former VP of a, of a manufacturing co- a corporation and. I wanted to have you in because when I when I heard your story, um, it was just very enlightening. Um, talk to the people about who is Jamie Milton and why you're running for Congress in the 14th Congressional District. 
absolutely. So my name is Jamie Milton. I'm running for U.S. Congress in District 14. Uh, I feel that I am the most dynamic candidate running in this race that has the ability to take out someone like Lauren Underwood, who is a Chicago politician, by my estimation. I come out of the business sector. I've been running uh, businesses at various levels of leadership over the past 25 years, with the last five years having served as VP to a manufacturing facility that oversaw the manufacturing of pellet mills to support America's farmers. Uh, what caused me to cross over into politics? My goodness. Uh, during the lockdowns and mandates, we had the government, uh, you know, we were waiting to hear from them on whether we were considered an essential business or not. Uh, we had to lay off uh, at different times uh, between 10 and 15 percent of our staff uh, because, you know, businesses were suffering. Uh, when your customers suffer, your manufacturing facility is going to suffer as well. And so I thought, you know, this is not right that the government has this much power to tell an American citizen if they have the ability to earn an income or not. And so that justice core that I have uh, that really drives me and springs me into action said, this isn't right. Something has to be done about this. Uh, I was actually in a season of transition this past September, and I was praying. And I said, God, what are we going to do next? You know, typically I would go into one business, help them become organized and profitable, and I would move on to the next business. Uh, so I was very uh, surprised, shocked, and caught off guard when I heard a gentle whisper in my spirit, Congress, I'm calling you to Congress. Wow. And so, yeah, I had to sit on that word for a good two months, to be honest, because I really believe that you cannot naively step into something like this. You really need to count the cost. You need to sit down and meet with your family, pray with yeah. your family. Is this something that we want to walk through? And the determination that we all came to collectively together, the cost is too great not to step forward. Hey, hey Jamie. So here I am. And Jamie, in, in light of the recent Supreme Court decision with Roe, um, tell that story that you told that uh, you got about a minute and 30 seconds for this segment and I'll hold you for the next segment, but tell that story you told at LaSalle County. And I, and I really think people really need to hear that story. Yes. Uh, so I was a 15 year old little girl uh, living in the inner city of Chicago that was allowed to walk into an abortion facility without my parents knowledge. And when I tell you that, uh, you know, hearing the vacuums in the background and just the sounds and being so confused about what was going on, not having an adult with me to walk with me through that process, uh, it was very scary. I walked through with having an abortion. Uh, I can tell you that that decision brought trauma and depression into my life that I would battle probably over the next two decades. And uh, it's, it's terrible. Uh, no child should have the ability to make a medical decision that is going to impact them for the rest of their lives. And the one thing that I, I like to point out to people is that medically, the human brain does not have the ability to understand that there are consequences to our decisions until about the age of 25 or 26. So why is it now that they, you know, have lowered the age to 12? Uh, why was I at 15 able to make a life-changing decision? And even furthermore, why are we allowing children to make a decision on changing their sex yeah. uh, when they're not going to understand the consequences to those decisions so much later? Wow. Jamie, hold the line. You know what, on her website, you know the what she has at the top of her website? Second Chronicles 714. If my, my people, people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, and seek, seek my, my face, face and turn, turn from their wicked, wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Don't we need our land healed right now? Amen. You listen to the Black and White Radio on AM560. We'll be right back. Let's get it to him, baby girl. Black and Right continues on AM560. Once again, here's John Anthony. Hey. 
Welcome back to Black and Right Radio on AM560, The Answer. I'm your host, John Anthony, live in studio with the Bishop Troublemaker. And we had a, our old friend Eric Wallace walk in. Eric, welcome, man. Hey, it's my pleasure to be here. <laughs> Before the break, we were talking with congressional, 14th congressional candidate, Jamie Milton. And, I mean, the, that last part of that story was just mind-blowing, right, Vlon? Yes, it was. So I got a, I got a question for you, Miss Milton. Um, I was watching the TV program this morning. It was an all-women's panel. And uh, one of the the ladies on the panel said that when she put her kids to bed at night, she has a boy and she has a girl. And when she looks at her little girl, she sees that she doesn't have the rights that her son has. She has less rights. So when you go to bed at night, do you feel that you have less rights than any other man or, or less rights at all? Absolutely not. Okay, well, well, that was short and sweet. Absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, well, can you expound upon that? Because it's a lot of women out there that feels that they've had they've had their right taken away from them. A right. I don't, you know, the right to murder the kids, but you know, their right. So, how do you feel about that? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I was talking on another show uh, just the other day. Is that can you imagine that we as a society are actually fighting for the right to murder an yes. infant? <clears throat> I mean, when you really think about it, we are fighting for the right to murder the most vulnerable among us. And, you know, our U.S. Constitution is based on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And what I notice is that life is the very first portion of that. And so to rob someone of their life, uh, that child is protected under the U.S. Constitution. That child is being housed within the body of the mother. And the thing that I don't hear talked about much is what about the father's rights? Uh, I've actually met men on the campaign trail that uh, did not want their child aborted, that still suffer the trauma of that. And so, no, I do not feel that I have less rights uh, than anyone else. Uh, I believe that God wants us to be fruitful and to multiply. And who are we as his creation to raise our fist in his face and say, we will decide who will live and who will die. It's just not right. Well, I do really appreciate your position on life. I've been one who's been advocating for it for over 30 years. And hearing the, uh, you know, the role of return was a Wonderful thing for me, but I was also sad because in Illinois, where we live, it's been inculcated into law. And we know now that the Democrats are going to use this as a launching point to really yeah. try to have an issue to run on. Uh, how strong would the Republican message be in standing for life and taking advantage of this uh, decision? Well, I know we have a lot of work ahead of us. Governor Pritzker has declared that he would like to be the abortion capital of the United States of America. Yeah. How grotesque is that? And we know that he is already uh, working furiously to open up abortion clinics at bordering uh, cities that border to other states to encourage more abortion to come into our borders. And uh, it's perverse. It's evil. Yeah, it and is. it's dark. And, and Jamie, I want to give you a, a minute to, to talk to the voters of why they should vote for Jamie Milton come um, the 28th. Go. 
All right. So, you know, at the core of my being, I do believe that uh, we have a creator that has created each one of us uniquely for such a time as this to walk out a divine purpose and a destiny. Uh, I take my walk with the Lord very seriously. And why does that matter to the voter? It matters because I must give an account to him first and foremost. This means that I absolutely will not bow down to evil. I will not bow down to the leftist agenda. I will not bow down to everything that is anti-constitutional and anti-American. Uh, the Lord has built me to be a warrior for justice. Ooh, Jamie Milton my, running my, for my. the 14th <laughs> Congressional. Did you see why I wanted to have her on? Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining Black and Right. Go vote, people. Thank, thank you so you. much for joining us. You were, you were, you did really well today, so thank you. Um, I like people that's unapologetic in their position. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I, you, see, you see what I say all the time. I, you say it all the time. You listen to the Black and Right. We'll be right back. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed. And the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm coming in. Welcome back to the Black and White Radio Program with John Anthony. This is Caesar LaFleur with Verlon, the troublemaker in the studio. There's been a mutiny. We've overthrown John Anthony and thrown him out of the studio. And so Verlon and I, along with our special guest, Dr. Eric Wallace, is going to take this program forward. The number to call in is area code 312-642-5600. And I'm inviting everyone to call in with your questions and comments. Tune in, call in is what we say. We had a really, really great first hour. Uh, Talked about a lot of important things. And this hour is going to be just as important. Important. And in the third hour, we're going to be talking about the Roe v. Wade decision that came down on last week. But this hour, we're going to focus in on politics and we're going to particularly be talking about black conservatism and its growth in Illinois. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the black conservatives that are running for offices all over the state and what that means to us as a state and as a society. But also, we do have a special guest calling in right now at the top of the hour here. Uh, Representative Jed Davis is running for the 75th Congressional District, I believe it is. Uh, Jed, welcome to the program. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. All right. So is that the right district, 75th? That is, the 75th. You're oh. looking at Kendall County, uh, Grundy, so like Morris, Yorkville, Plano, that neck of the woods. Okay. So tell us about yourself, uh, why you're running, and what is it about you that uh, would make people want to vote for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the school board president of Parkview Christian Academy, and we took an early position back in the summer of 2020, just telling the state, you know, kind of leave us alone. I ended up getting sued by the governor and going through a bunch of crazy stuff from that, just looking for parents' rights and felt like I was on an island. Like, man, where is my elected official? Um, And then started sifting through his voting record. And and was shocked and then just felt kind of the nudge from God and and jumped in. Wow, that's that's great. Now, you said that you're of Parkview Christian Academy. 
Correct, in Yorkville. Absolutely. Well, that's something that's really dear and important to me. I actually work for the Illinois Family Institute, and I'm over their public school exit program. And what we've been doing is going around the states encouraging parents to remove their kids from the government schools and to Mm -hmm. choose homeschooling, co-ops, and Christian schools. We're actually going to a bunch of churches and asking them to open up Christian schools. Let me get your opinion. What do you think about our government school system, and is it positive or negative for our children? I think it's slipping quickly, and I think we need to reclaim it. People always say, what are you going to do when you get to Springfield? And Springfield's a long plan. I'm willing to fight that battle. But locally, we need to reclaim our school districts. So I want to recruit you know, conservative, courageous men and women and equip them to win and get on these school boards so that our public schools can get rid of the nonsense that's infiltrating from Springfield and start focusing back on true education, which is what I had in the 90s, and it's just unfortunately not there. So it sounds to me as though you believe that the school system is not beyond repair or redemption, that it could actually be repaired and reclaimed. Uh, Do you think that's realistic, or should the public school system just go away for right now based on how it was built, what it's doing, and how deep in the mire it has become? It's it's a long fight, but I think it's well worth it. Um, you know, I live in a small farm town, and that public school is the identity of the community. Um, so I would hate to see that erode. And I'm a full proponent of private education. I mean, I've been my kids have been in it the entire time. But we can win back these public school systems. It lives and it dies on the school board. So we need men and women of character and of courage on these school boards, or we will lose them forever. And also, we need people who overturn some of the laws that have already passed, you know, that requires anybody who teaches sex education to teach from the comprehensive sex uh, education curriculum and things like that. And so if it's going to be any chance, I believe it's going to have to be those things overturned. Don't you agree? Absolutely. And sometimes that's not an easy task. And sometimes it might not happen in Springfield. It may happen locally if you get a school that just says, we're not doing it. What are you going to do to us? We need people to challenge the state. How you doing, sir? My name is Verlon. I want to ask you two questions. What issues did he sue you over and what subject matter and issues do you champion teaching our teaching our youth? Yeah, you know, we got sued really over COVID health protocol. We just wanted to give parents the freedom of choice. And we kind of drew the line in the sand saying, man, if they can come into our halls and start dictating what we do and don't do, where does that line end? And we were willing to say it ends today because we knew the curriculum was coming down the pipe, you know, of the sex ed and the critical race theory and all that nonsense. So we chose to draw the line in the sand on that and really take a stand. And we won in 2021, 2022, when we pursued the State Board of Education and the state, you know, we were the tip of the spear of overturning all of that throughout the entire state. And we stand on principles and convictions and just giving a good at Parkview, a good godly worldview education to equip future leaders for our, our state and our nation. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jet, this is John Anthony. Hey, John. Hey, I just wanted to I wanted to chime in on this um, interview because um, you've, you've had a rough go at it when, when it comes to your opponent sending out a lot of different mailers about some integrity problems with you. And, and anybody that knows Jed Davis knows he's probably one of the most integrity, per, in, integral persons you could ever meet. Uh, how has that been and what have you been doing to, to, to combat that? And I just want to let everybody in the 75th district know that I fully endorse Jed Davis to be the next state representative from the 75th district. 
Yeah, thank you so much. And it has. It's been insane. They are legitimately, this isn't an exaggeration, spending hundreds of thousands to keep me out of Springfield. And they're taking, they're just flat out lying on a bunch of fronts, and I could get into it, but they are, and I was warned from some other individuals who have been in this world for much longer than me saying, Jed, they're going to come after you. You think you're going to be ready, but I'm telling you, it's they're going to just breathe down your neck if you're a viable threat. So we're viable. Because, again, they're running commercials on TV for a house state race here in Kendall County to keep me out of Springfield. So we're a viable threat because we will disrupt the status quo. Jed, tell the people where they can find out more about you and your platform, the things you're running on. Uh, You have a website that they can be directed to? Yep. It's uh, Jed for Freedom, J-E-D, and then F-O-R freedom.com and that's all there yeah and before you go just besides the education issue what are the other core issues that you're running on yeah it's really you know i'm all about local local change Mm -hmm. you know i will stand up and fight against these nonsensical taxes and everything else that's coming out of springfield but locally we can have true change so i want to again equip people not just on the school boards but community college boards local village boards city councils and and you know have some character again within the 75th district. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. And so I hope people will go to your website, find out more about you and good luck in the uh, upcoming election. Thank you. You bet. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. So that was a person running for the 75th. And I was happy to hear that he's a strong advocate for Christian education because Verlon and and Dr. Wallace, one of the things I've been saying is I think the problems that we're having in society today reason why things have gone so south so quickly is because we no longer have uh, people growing up with a biblical worldview or with any, we were talking about principles early, you know, with any really core principles or core values. And so therefore people are just like ships without a rudder, you know, just any what direction that things blow. And I think that starts in the school system. I believe our school system has done a horrible job. That's what happens when leftists take over the school system, which they have. And they teach them your morals are what you feel. Absolutely. If you mm-hmm. think something is wrong, then you stand up against it's it. It's all about emotion. You know, it's not about thinking, right. reacting with, you know, thoughtful, practical re- uh, approaches or uh, approach to something. It's all about how does it make you feel? What you and, just said, practical. Right. And, and you hear it in all of the uh, commentators and all of the people that talk about things. When they interview someone, they always well, how did this make you feel? And, you know, even on the news, they're always showing things. Something happens and you got somebody on there crying. You know, you're trying to stimulate people's emotions and make people respond out of that emotion without really thinking. I've you know, said that forever. You cannot govern a, govern a society in how you feel. You, you can't feel your way through it. You have to have principles. You have to have a, a, a laws that you live by. Absolutely. Can I be so, a little contrary yes, in sir. here? Go ahead, Mr. Con- <laughs> you, you got about 30 seconds. Contrary. Well, I, I think that uh, part of our problem is that, is that as parents, we've abdicated our role. Absolutely. We sent, sent them off to school, said, okay, you educate them. Yeah. And I think the Bible talks about the responsibility uh, of education is on us absolutely, and, and yeah. on the church. Yeah. That's, and so, that's uh, you know, we, we need to be more uh, 
aware of what's being taught in our schools and then stand up and uh, you know fight against Absolutely. the craziness. You're not being a contrarian. You right down my alley on that one. So listen, we're, we're going to be talking more about these things, politics uh, in this hour as it goes on. We're going to be talking especially about black conservatism and how it's growing. And Dr. Wallace, you're here because you've been a strong leader in that front. Want to hear about some things going on with the Freedom Journal Institute, your Black Conservative Summit that's coming up. Oh, man, it's going to be exciting rest of this hour. So you guys tune in, call in, stay tuned. We'll be back right after this short commercial break. Black and Right Radio. Back to Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Hey, and welcome back to Black and Right Radio with John Anthony. This is the Bishop of Truth, Cecil LaFleur, sitting in for John, along with Verlon, the troublemaker, who's in the studio with me, and a very special guest, Dr. Eric Wallace, my friend, who's the co-founder and co-president of the Freedoms Journal Institute for the Study of Faith and Public Policy. And so he's here because he's going to help us talk about something that I'm really excited about, and that's the surge, the emergence of black conservative candidates candidates running for office in Illinois. I know we have a couple of blacks that's running for lieutenant governor, both happen to be friends of mine and have a black two black men running for the governor. And also we have black conservative candidates running for different congressional districts. So there just seems to me and Eric, you can tell me if I'm just seeing something out of wishful eyes, but there is a emergence of black conservatism in the state of Illinois. No, you- I, I, I think you're right, though. I was going to question that whole idea about you having friends, you, you hear him say he's got all these friends. I don't believe. <laughs> I don't believe him I don't either. Believe him. <laughs> I, I know they might have pictures of me with them, <laughs> so they might not admit it, but I do know them. But Eric, you yes. you, you are a, a prominent figure in Illinois when it comes you know. down to black conservatism. I know you've been preaching that a long time. You've written, you've produced material. You know, your Freedoms Journal Institute has been at, in the forefront of pushing that and your rise principles and things like that. And you have a s- summit coming up here shortly, yeah, right? Yeah, we do. And, and thank you for being so generous, my yeah. friend. I don't, sometimes I wonder how many people actually heard about us or not. But I mean, we, we continue to do this because, again, you know, part of what we do is because of, uh, you know, our Lord and Savior, our Lord and Savior, Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we do it because of our faith commitment. Um, so the, the, the summit is um, September 8th through the 10th at the Tinley Park Convention Center. You can find information on uh, blackconservativesummit.net, blackconservativesummit.net. Uh, we've invited a number of um, and we're pushing the conservative principles. We are a 501c3, so we don't pick candidates. We don't say, you right. know, join mm-hmm. the Republican Party, mm-hmm. join the Democrat Party. We say, look for candidates that support your point of view. And, of course, we talk about the RISE principles. You can find that on our website as well. It stands for Responsible Government, Individual Liberty and Fidelity, Strong Family Values, and Economic Empowerment. And we believe this is a good way to start talking about conservative principles, especially those in the black community who, who are, don't necessarily know that they're conservative, but they are. Mm-hmm. And, and for some reason continue to vote uh, for those who are very liberal and uh, progressive. And don't necessarily share their their uh, political vote. Well, I have a question. Do you believe black people, we can just leave the conservative part out, mm-hmm. have lost those natural principles that we were raised with? Like, let's just, I don't know how old you are, but let's just go back to our grandfathers. It was taught then. Now, I know a lot, we lost a lot of it maybe during our parents' era because of the drugs and everything like that. But, but between the 80s to the 2000s, say that generation. Do you think we've lost our principles like like 
by a majority? Like, like what percentage? I, I, I would guess a percentage, maybe by 70%. So do you think we've lost those principles? I would say, yeah. I, I think that, um, Can you I know, black, black identity has become more important Next, than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, well, how do we identify now? That's a good. That's a good question. How uh-huh. do we identify as well, black people? Well, I identify as a Christian first, okay, and foremost. And so, you know, as I, as I, and as I look at the biblical text, yeah, I don't, I don't see. I mean, clearly, if you look in Revelations, it talks about there'll be people from every ethnicity, every language, every tongue, and so forth. So, I'm not saying we need to be a, a colorblind generation, but we need to understand that uh, what's more important is the family of God, that we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and that that comes first not the color of our skin. And, and I think really there are people out there, Black Lives Matter, 1619 Project, all these things that are going on are actually making blackness an idol. But as you look around, as you look around, you can see that most black people, they might say it when they're in crisis, oh God, help me please, I gotta pray. But you know we're not living that way. So how do we get back to those principles? Well, let, let, me, let me address that because one, we've talked about this before. The breakdown of the family in the black community is a, a, a key contributor to losing those values and losing those principles that we once depended on. And the fact that we had a better chance of having a child raised with a mother and father in the home during slavery than we do now, it lends significantly to the fact that we're losing our values. And brother here just pointed out the Bible has laid out some things about the family and where those principles and things are supposed to be taught in Deuteronomy chapter six. It tells us we have that responsibility to teach our children these things in the morning, in the evening, when they lie down and when they wake up. But he's also right that we've abdicated that responsibility. We've sent our children off to some government program, governor school. They spend more time there than they do with us. And this is why they're coming back like Romans. But you know, as well as I do, black people believe in government more so than than God nowadays. They they depend on government. Government feeds them. Government gives them money in their pocket. Government gives them housing. Who you think they're gonna they're gonna follow? Who you think they're gonna adhere to? And, and that is intentional. That is intentional. That's what the government wanted to do. They wanted to replace. Uh, they wanted to replace God in our lives, and also, especially in the black community, the government became daddy. You know, daddy was out of the picture. Government is in the picture, and then we wonder why our, ch- our children are winding up that way. Dr. Wallace, well, I think that the um, <clears throat> we need to understand. See the difference between progressivism and conservatism is, is that conservatives are, and actually it's a bad, I don't know how we got that name conservatism. We're actually the classical liberals that want freedom. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it's, but it's, it's, it's the uh, progressives that want to tell you what to do. We send our kids off to school because they're indoctrinational uh, centers. Right. now. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not there to teach you how to think critically anymore. Mm-hmm. They think you to tell you what, you know, you know what to believe. I want to answer your question. Sure. You say you don't know how black people took on the, the name conservatism. Well, who had to conserve more than black people in this country? We had to conserve everything, clothes. You know, we had to conserve food. We had to conserve money. We had to conserve. We had to live conservatism. I don't know how we got the word progressivism. That comes from Russia. And they don't even know that that's a Russian name, progressive. So, yeah, I could tell you how we became conservatives. You know, so, so Dr. Dr. Wallace, in, in a few minutes we have left and then we're going to hold you over. You're going to be with us the rest of this hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does and we're going to just identify as conservatives. OK, but, okay. but, but how do we want to conserve freedom? Absolutely. That's what we're conserving. And, and so how do you think that 
would work in in turning, you know, and, and has anything happened in the last 10 years to make that conservative message more acceptable in the black community? And and what can we expect would be a result of us embracing that message more? I think it's, it's quite evident that, you know, the whole idea that, you know, uh, little boys can become little girls and mm-hmm. girls become oh. little boys. I think if, if there's nothing else that should, that should turn the uh, church going folks to say they love Jesus, you know, around, it should it should be that. And then the high crime that's going on in our communities, um, you know, uh, the I, I see you have something on your. Why on your do face. you think <laughs> black people stay silent when it comes to gender, when it comes to over sexualizing our kids, yeah. when it comes to everything that you're saying right now? You don't hear a peep out of black people. Why is that? Well, I, I don't agree because I, I think black people, but unfortunately, are getting more and more black people who support that. You know, I, one of the questions I was going right, to ask right. is when did we start turning so far away from those values that we had and become so liberal and progressive in our things? Because it's the black people who are defending abortion. It's the black people who are defending transgenderism. It's the black people that are doing that. They're not staying silent. They're just not saying the right things. I think it's, uh, you know, we mentioned, we touched on it before. I think it's idolatry. We Absolutely. have made... Our, the color of our, the amount of melanin in our skin has become the most important thing. Yeah. And we've been convinced that because, you know, somebody gets arrested, a, a white cop ends up shooting somebody who's black, then clearly it's systemic racism. White people are after us. We need the white, white privilege, all these other things that continue, that continue to get pushed down our throats. And you know what they say? If you continue to uh, repeat a lie often enough, people begin to believe it. That's true. Yeah, they said if you say it every day and don't apologize, it becomes truth to people. And that's exactly what's happened. Well, they've created a whole ideology about skin complexion. You have to acknowledge that first. Every time I get into it with liberals or leftists, you got to acknowledge what you see. You got to acknowledge who I am. And who I am is my race, my skin color. Then we can get down to some politics. You know, so I have to, I don't like that. I hate it. I can't stand it. Hey, I hate it too, and we and we fight against it. That's why we have this, you know, this conservative conference because we've gone and we want people to understand what does it mean to be a conservative. What kind of things do we believe? Uh, and 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 a lot of black folks will find out they really are conservative. And I, and I think right. what we also want to do is help people who are already conservative know there's a lot more of us out there than the mainstream media would like us to understand. Yeah, I think Project 21 some years ago had a survey to show that 74% of black people, even though they didn't know it, they held conservative views. And this is a very important conversation. Dr. Wallace, we're going to hold you over Mm -hmm. uh, for the next segment. And those who are on hold on the phones, Rosanna and Mark Vargas, we're going to get to you on the other side. And we do have a guest calling in, a candidate for the 1st Congressional District. Uh, Pastor Chris Butler is going to be calling in. So we're going to have a conversation with him. This is Black and Right Radio with John Anthony, who we have thrown out of the studio and don't want to see him again. But we have Verlon the Troublemaker here with us and Dr. Eric Wallace from the Freedom Journal Institute. This is the substitute Bishop of Truth, Reverend Cecil LaFleur. We'll be right back after this brief timeout. This is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Hey, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the Black and Right radio program with John Anthony. This is your host, Pastor Cecil LaFleur with Verlon and also our in-studio uh, guest, 
uh, Reverend Dr. Eric Wallace, and we've had a very stimulating conversation before the break, and we're going to continue it. But before we do, we have a caller on the line who wants to straighten out something that was actually said by a caller in our first hour. A caller called in and said that this individual laughed about the idea of Sean Caston's daughter dying. And so I understand there needs to be some straightening out of that story. Caller, go ahead on and and give us the uh, real deal about that. Well, hi. Well, well, thank you. My name is Scott Casper. I'm a, a Republican candidate for uh, Illinois' 6th Congressional District. And, you know, I'm driving down to uh, the Trump rally in Quincy. We're on I-74 right now. I got Mark Vargas from Mark My Words at my side right now. And and I understand that a caller had called in uh, uh, saying that I, I had perhaps laughed about uh, the passing of Gwen Kasten. And I, you know, I wanted to call in and, and clear the air on that. That is absolutely not true. Uh, in fact, that's a, a, a that's absolutely abhorrent to think about that. You know, I I watched. Uh, I'm very sensitive to this issue. I, I watched the you know the grief uh, that John Anthony went through firsthand as you know the passing of his son. Um, I myself have a, a, a teenage daughter. Um, when when Gwen passed the weekend before last, uh, I got a call about 10:30 in the morning that that Monday morning. I had just dropped my daughter off at uh, Mother Macaulay for a, a summer camp, and I, I had heard that news of the passing of, of Gwen Caston. And I'll tell you what, it, it made me sick to my stomach. Um, we put together a statement, and as soon as we had, as soon as we had clearance, we, we put out our statement. It was probably one of the first statements to go out, uh, sharing our, our sincere condolences with the Caston family. You know, Sean and I may not, you know, we may not see eye to eye on policies. Uh, but he is a father, uh, and by all measure, a great family man. And I just want to make this very clear that that, that caller uh, is is gravely mistaken. Well, I'm glad you had an opportunity to do that. Now, I think he said he spoke directly to you. Do you remember talking to this gentleman? I I, I actually don't, and I don't remember speaking with anyone uh, about Sean Caston's family at all. Yeah, I think the the caller mentioned that he mentioned it and he said that you laughed at it. And so uh, I would be wondering, I said, what could he have possibly seen to make him believe that you would do that? But uh, I'm I'm glad you had an opportunity to straighten that out. I appreciate you wanting to get that clear. And uh, I love the fact, hey, we might disagree on policies, but when it comes down to that, we're all human beings and we all can have sorrow for right. when we have these uh, significant loss. So listen, thanks for calling in. Um, enjoy the rally. Careful driving over there, and uh, we appreciate you straightening that out for us. Absolutely. Thank I, you for having right. me on. All right. So then that was important to get that straight because who would want somebody to have that out there about them? You know, that, hey, I laughed at somebody's child being lost. And, uh, and so I'm glad he got a chance to straighten that out. And listen, before the break, we were, we were talking about these issues. Uh, of, first of all, black conservatism. But then also we got to talking about what was going on in the black community and what were some of the reasons why we have falling off of those principles, Verlon, that held us up for, for, for generation after generation. You know, if you think of what we've come through, you know, out of slavery and doing this, you know, the Jim Crow era and all of that, it was the black family that gave us strength in order to be able to get through all of that. And then now since the 60s, the black family has been shredded, torn apart, and we don't have a strong black family now. So is it any wonder why we're losing sight of those principles and those things that make us strong as a community? So you ask, what are we going to need in order to get back to that? I really think we need to repair the black family. 
Now, are you going to be dealing with the issue of black family at all in your in your upcoming summit? We will. We will. We're going to talk about black family. We're going to be talking about education. Mm-hmm. We're going to, you know, some of those things that uh, come under the the letter S for strong family values. That's 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 part of our uh, that's part of our our push. But we also will be talking about. There's another thing. Not only building strong families, but we also need to be able to be talking about awakening. We need an awakening. Uh, I mean, we've we've talked about it before. Right. Absolutely. How, how we yeah. need to have a revival. Right. And listen, we, we do have a caller on the line, Chris Butler, who's running for the first uh, rep- district. And we're going to hold him over to the next segment because Scott's call came in. And so we don't want to short circuit him. So, Chris, if you can hold on to the next segment, we're going to give you the opportunity to have a uh, full time. Verlon. Well, we got a minute and 27 seconds. And Rosanna's been holding for a long time. OK, let's try to talk? get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, hi. I really appreciate you taking my call, but I heard Jamie. I know Eric Wallace. I lived in Chicago. I now live in Springfield. And this is what I wanted to say about Jamie. Well, fantastic candidate, conservative issues. Eric Wallace was a fantastic candidate, conservative issues. Rosanna Polito was a fantastic candidate, been to the border three times. I'm a Latina. And, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is the Illinois GOP did not back us. So I'd like to speak about the elephant in the room right now. Okay, you got about 15 seconds to do it. (laughs) Yeah, they have not backed any of us. Mm -hmm. We all subscribe to the Illinois Republican platform, but they, they would not back us. So you can have fantastic conservative candidates. But if you don't have an Illinois GOP to back you. Right, okay. Well, listen, I appreciate that. We got to let you go because we do have Chris Butler on the line after this break. This is Black and White Radio. John Anthony, Cecil LaFleur standing in. Stay tuned. We have a guest after the break. This is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM 560. The answer. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Black and Right, but this is not John Anthony. This is Cecil LaFleur, the Bishop of Truth, sitting in for John. And we also have Verlon, the Troublemaker. And once again, we have our dear friend, Reverend Dr. Eric Wallace. And we've been having a real good conversation about politics. But we have a a caller on the line who is running for the first congressional seat um, in Chicago. His name is Pastor Chris Butler. He's on the phone. Pastor Chris, how are you doing? I am doing very well, Pastor LaFleur. How are you today? Wonderful, man. Wonderful. I'm in, in I'm in heaven right now. I'm sitting here talking to you. Got my friends around me and sharing some in- information we think people need. So you are running for the first congressional seat, right, District? Yes. Yeah, first congressional district of Illinois. And that who and whose seat did that belong to forever? Uh, so this is the seat that uh, Bobby Rush uh, has. It occupied since uh, 1992. That's right, since 1992. And listen, uh, you sent me your ad that's about to go up on television, and I think it looked great. But in it, you said you are a Democrat of a different kind. What kind of Democrat are you? So I am a a kind of Democrat that is going to uh, do some of the stuff that you all were talking about. I believe that we need to refocus our families and how we do our policy and how we do our politics. Uh, and because of that, I am uh, a kind of Democrat that's going to challenge Democratic Party leadership uh, when the party leadership is, is doing stuff that's going to be harmful to our family. Uh, 
uh, and I'm going to be able to work across the aisle with Republicans, with independents, uh, to actually get things done. I think that it's high time we end uh, what I call the bipartisan consensus to do nothing uh, and actually get our government working again. So uh, you said you going to do something that sense for those issues we believe in. Are you pro-life? I am absolutely pro-life. Uh, and I think that there has been a strong legacy. Uh, if we back it up beyond the most recent, you know, 20 or 30 years, uh, there has been a strong legacy, certainly in uh this Midwestern region and all over the country uh, of pro-life Democrats. Uh, and I think it's, it's very important that uh, on this issue particularly, uh, that we make room for the table, uh, at the table for pro-life Democrats. Uh, this is one of those things that really shouldn't be uh, a left-right issue. Uh, it's, it's more of a right-wrong issue, and we need folks speaking out on it on both sides of the aisle. Wow, and it's great hearing you say that because I do remember those a time. In fact, I used to actually speak for Democrats for Life, and then you had prominent Democrats like Bishop Harry Jackson. So, as at one point, it seemed like that there was a place in the Democrat Party for pro-life uh, uh, candidates, but nowadays, not so much. You know, I, I I don't know. Maybe some of you guys know. I don't know any in Illinois any pro-life Democrats. Uh, that's that's in the house right now or anybody who's running. And so I do appreciate you doing that. Do you consider yourself a conservative? Yeah, I consider myself uh, conservative on uh, a a number of issues. And I I think that if we make ourselves conservative on every single issue, uh, then there will be places of change uh, that we won't be able to affect. And if we make ourselves, you know, quote unquote, progressive on every issue, we will find ourselves pushing down structures that have actually been uh, put in place and have been useful uh, for the the flourishing of our communities. Uh, so when we think about things like uh, the family, when we think about uh, faith and the church, uh, some of these institutions uh, and systems that have been in place uh, for the flourishing of our communities, uh, unchecked progressivism will push those things down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are things that need to be uh, preserved and renewed in every generation. Uh, not push down. Wow, great to hear you say that. We got a caller on the line who's we're going to get to soon, but he's asking the question: What are preachers going to do uh, about these black pastors who are sold out to the left? And there is this silence in the places that really should be speaking up on these issues in the black community. Troublemaker, you had a question you wanted to ask. I've got three, but they're quick. Okay, how do you feel? How do you feel about gender equality? How do you feel about uh, over sexualizing our kids in school? How do you feel about transgenderism? How do you uh, or, and are you down with CRT? So I'm going to take those first uh, three uh, sort of together. I think that we have to be uh, mindful that we live in a pluralistic society. Uh, but at the same time, if you talk to people when I talk to folks around the first congressional district, uh, our culture is moving way too fast on this. Uh, and, and, and really, it's our, our policymakers that are moving so fast uh, on things that have not been researched, studied, and tested. They've been forced uh, onto parents and onto families. And I think we need to, uh, to check that. I've been one uh, who has been deeply invested in working on something nationally called uh, the Fairness for All Act uh, that does preserve basic civil rights. Uh, for uh, LGBTQ citizens, um, but we cannot do that at the expense of religious liberty. We cannot do that at the expense of, uh, you know, the, the sanctity and the, the sort of primacy of the parent and the household. And that's what we see happening uh, in our culture. Uh, 
when it comes to the discussion around uh, uh, critical race theory, uh, there are certainly things that we have to discuss uh, when it comes to making sure that our our society uh, is is reckoning with the the remaining vestiges of uh, slavery and racism historically uh, in this country. Uh, but we cannot change, you know, lean into this entire framework of of sort of recasting uh, the entire, not only the history, but recasting the future as hopeless because of things that have happened in the past. We're talking to Chris Butler. He's running for the first uh, congressional seat held by Bobby Rush right now. And Dr. Wallace has some questions for you, but we're running out of time in this segment. Can you hold over to after the break? Uh, we, I, I think I can do one more segment. I'm supposed yeah. to be headed to an event, but we yes, can sir. one more segment. It'll be very short. So we're going to come right back with uh, Chris Butler right after this break. This is the Black and Right radio program. Also, Brian, don't go anywhere because uh, even if we have to get you after the top of the hour, we want to talk to Brian out of Metson. He posed a very interesting question. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. My dog is with it. You want it? Come and get it. More Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560. The answer. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is Cecil LaFleur, and we're having a wonderful conversation on the line with Chris Butler, who's running for the 1st Congressional District. And Dr. Eric Wallace is our studio guest, and he has a question for Chris. Dr. Wallace? Hey, Pastor Butler. Good to, good to hear from you again, man. Yes, indeed. Good to hear you as well, sir. <laughs> uh, I, I have a question and a, and a comment. So let me go with my comment first. You, when, you, when you talk about conservatism, when you ask about conservatism, you act as though conservative were not interested in any kind of change. And I, and, and I take umbrage with that because I, I, I think conservatism is about um, conserving our freedoms and, and that those don't get eroded away. And I think you were right about, you know, talking about religious freedom. We have to watch and protect that. But, um, but uh, we want to conserve our freedoms and we want to conserve the family and what that means. It doesn't mean we don't want to make any changes. It just we want to make changes that make sense for us. And for those of us who are who are biblically based, a biblical worldview, we want to make those make sure those changes don't trample on our faith commitments that, that we've made. So in saying that, though, the question is, you kind of intimated that, you know, we that some progressive ideas are going are moving ahead too fast. So are you saying that, you know, like transgenderism or something like that, if it moves slower, it'd be more accepted? Well, I don't. I'm not saying uh, two things. I would. I would like to say one is that when you talk about conservatives, uh, I don't think that most of my conservative uh, uh, friends or folks who identify themselves as conservative, I, I sort of, you know, refrain from too much of the uh, labeling. But even my friends who identify as conservative, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think that they are uh, not interested in change. Uh, and so when I said that, I did say conservative uh, because I, I would not uh, intend to, to intimate that. I think that what, what I'm saying is that people can sometimes get locked into this idea that conservatism does mean don't ever change anything, which is not what I think conservatism uh, means. Uh, on, on the front of, of some of these sort of uh, cultural liberal ideas mm-hmm. and, and the, the, the movement, the, the rate of movement, I don't know that that is necessarily uh, that it would be um, more accepted, but I think that if if our policymakers move at the 
at the speed of, of the families and the communities that we're governing, it will give a, an opportunity for people to actually engage the, the question. I don't know that it would be more accepted. I, I kind of feel like it would not be. Uh, but a, a lot of us, you know, folks didn't go out and have a bunch of community meetings uh, to discuss with Chicago Public School parents uh, whether we were going to start to teach some of the things that we're going to be teaching in terms of, you know, quote unquote, sex education right. um, mm-hmm. to kindergartners. Right. And I, I just think that if we took a more deliberate approach, that it would give folks enough time. Uh, and the ability to engage on those questions, and then we would see where people stand. Yeah, that, I, that, I think that would be a for interesting in depth conversation. But we're running out of time now, Chris. Where can people uh, re- reach you? You have a website, contact information. Where can people go and find out more about Chris Butler? Yeah, so folks can go to electchrisbutler dot com uh, to find out more about this campaign. We have uh, only a, a few days left uh, in the race. The, the primary is on. Uh, Tuesday, and I would really just encourage listeners to go to electchrisbutler.com, figure out a way to support this effort. Um, There is not another candidate in this primary uh, that is uh, taking these kinds of of views that are very important for our community, um, and we need these kind of things to advance. This is a very uh, Democratic district that's gerrymandered to be so. Whoever wins this primary is very likely going to go to the United States Congress. Uh, and I think that it's going to be better for the community uh, if I go to the Congress. So please. Go All to right. Well, listen, thanks so much for calling in. Thanks for sharing that. Interesting uh, that it might be two conservatives running against each other in the general in the first congressional district. So we will look to see what that's going to be all about. Once again, thank you so much. You're with Black and White Radio. And uh, we hope you enjoying the program so far. We got more on the other side. We're going to be talking about the Roe v. Wade decision. Dun, 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 dun. Get ready for a dramatic third hour. Coming right back. I love my dog just like I'm Peter. Gotta protect Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed. And the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm coming in. Hey, welcome back to Black and White Radio, John Anthony. I usually try to wait to hear like a fajita, you know, <laughs> in that. I never understood that in the song. But welcome back. Uh, this is the third hour of the Black and White Radio program. This is the substitute host today, the Bishop of Truth, Reverend Cesar LaFleur. And um, with Illinois Family Institute, that's the organization I work for, IllinoisFamily.org. Also in the studio with me is Reverend Dr. Eric M. Wallace of Freedom's Journal Institute for the Study of Faith and Public Policy. And then we have Verlon, the troublemaker from Troublemaker University. And so <laughs> welcome back, everybody. We had an exciting two hours. The third hour is going to be great. But we've had a caller on the line that we promised we were going to get to because he has a very interesting question that he wants to pose to us. And so, Brian from Matson, go ahead. Fire away. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Um Afternoon. You, you know, I, I I've heard a number of reverends and clergymen on the show this afternoon, and I personally am a member of a fairly large congregation on 63rd Street. And in that congregation, the leader of that congregation stood up a, a month ago and said, "Abortion is not a sin." I've never heard that in a church. 
So my question to the panel here is, if you are a, a member of the body of Christ, why are you focused on Springfield and Washington, D.C.? What are you doing to clean up the church? That is the moral backbone of our community, and it's rife with leftists now. All right. That's a good question, and it's something we've been dealing with. Dr. Wallace, go ahead. Take the first bite out of that one. <laughs> well, one of the things, uh, I'm going to talk about the Black Summit. One of the things we're going to have at the Black Summit is a number of... of, of and, and thanks, uh, Brian, for the question. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank you. Uh a number of uh, pastors who are coming who have actually seen the light, who know who know the scripture and are and are speaking to the church itself. I mean, our institute is supposed to speak to the church. We're we're talking to the church in general and the African American church in particular to vote our values and to stand up and and talk about what does the biblical text actually have to say. And my thing is if you got a pastor standing up in the middle of the congregation and telling you that, that that abortion is not a sin, it's time to go find another church. Absolutely. I'd get out of there. I'd run like I was running away from slavery because that is a, if a person who claims to be a man of God would stand up and say that that's okay, uh, you know, I don't know what kind of church that is. And that leads us into what we're going to be talking about uh, this hour, this whole issue about abortion, especially in um aftermath of the Roe v. Wade decision coming down, where the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade and sent the issue back to the states. And Dr. Wallace, one of the interesting ways I've always heard this being responded to and Mm -hmm. what they're doing now is that they talk about, first of all, how horrible it is that we've done that. The president of the United States is on television the other day and said it was a dark and solemn day. Imagine a country where it's a dark and solemn day when you put restrictions on killing babies in the womb. But as usual, the left always brings us black and brown people in as a justification for why they need to get their way. Black and brown people are going to suffer more uh, because abortion has been made illegal. Black and brown people are going to be the ones who are not going to have access to health care. They're actually framing abortion as health care. And black and brown people are the ones who are coming out and attacking me and others talk about what a horrible thing this is. And I believe the reason why is because black and brown people don't really know the, the history of abortion, why we have uh, abortion in this nation, where abortion came into. They don't understand eugenics. They don't understand Margaret Sanger. They don't understand some of these things that point out the fact that abortion was the worst thing to happen to black people since slavery. And it's the issue of importance, just like slavery was an important issue then. There was nothing else more important than that. Abortion now, the whole sanctity of innocent human life, there's nothing more important than that today. And so we have this this kickback, this respond, night of rage. We have people protesting in the streets. People are just going nuts because it's no longer just so easy to kill babies in like 26 states. Uh, unfortunately, Illinois is a state that's going to continue because we've uh, codified it in our actual constitution that abortion rights in Illinois, which is going to make Illinois the a mecca for abortion. I've got a clip here I want you all to listen to. And then we got a special guest calling in Walter Hoy uh, from Issues for Life. But I want you guys to listen to this. Slaves were an asset as long as they were slaves. But at the moment they are set free, they become a liability. And what the elite knew was that the end of slavery would instantly release four million people into the economy who had been kept uneducated and effectively unemployable anywhere but the cotton field. And what they were concerned about was that this was going to bankrupt the American economy. 
Taxes were going to go through the roof to take care of these people. Crime was going to be rampant. The prisons were going to be flooded. There was going to be this population overrun. And in the North, the biggest fear was migration from the South of these black people. The other fear that these people had was intermarriage between blacks and whites would lead to a loss of racial purity. The question was, what were they going to do about it? And their initial thought was that they would just send all the slaves back to Africa. This plan was called colonization, and it had broad support among the wealthy elite. In fact, the American Colonization Society was even funded by the United States Congress. But in the end, colonization proved to be unworkable, and the idea was eventually scrapped. But about that same time, a new philosophy was emerging in the world. It was called eugenics. And for some, it seemed like the perfect solution to, had, to what had become known as the Negro Dilemma. That's a clip. That's Mark Crutcher from the clip from Ma'afa 21. And he's the one who says that if it wasn't for the Negro problem after the emancipation of slaves, where you had four million people uh, let loose in a society that people didn't even recognize as human, what were they going to do with them? You couldn't send them all back. And so eugenics, which is the whole idea of controlling the birth, be of control who has children and who don't. And so this became the foundation, the modern day genesis of what we have now when it comes down to abortion. Is Walter Hoy on the line? We have Walter Hoy calling in. How you doing? Walter, is that you? How you doing, man? I'm doing fine. Good to hear from you. Yes, sir. Good to talk to you. Walter Hoy, Issues for Life, the National Black Pro-Life Union. He's someone I've been working with over the years. Walter, uh, we're going to hold you over for the next segment because we only have three minutes in this one. But, Walter, give us your uh, impact about the Roe v. Wade decision and what does that mean for black people in America? I'm thrilled that it it was reversed. I, I only wish they had reversed it based on the 14th Amendment. That would mean that no state to continue to legalize abortion, just like they can't illegalize slavery, not anymore because of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. If they had established personhood by way of the 14th Amendment and given the child inside the womb of his mother or her mother personhood, that child would be recognized by the United States Constitution and the states would not then be able to say, well, hey, I'm in California. We're going to be the abortion capital of the country. They couldn't do that. So outside of that, a great victory. And I'm awfully glad that it finally got done. Well, Walter, I agree, because as, as I mentioned earlier today, I celebrated and rejoiced when it was turned over. But then also I, I lamented because in Illinois, we have codified that in our Constitution. Illinois, several other states like California, New York, you know, these progressive states. And so I think you might be right if we had to just made it illegal based on the personhood of the individual. Uh, one of the things that they've tried to do is to keep us from recognizing the baby in the womb as a person as a person. My question to you is, especially for black people, how did we buy into that? You know, how did we become so convinced that abortion was a good thing for us? Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's been a, a problem in the black community since the mid-60s. I can remember Cecil Moore, president of the NAACP chapter, perhaps maybe the most influential NAACP chapter, Philadelphia in the 60s. Cecil Moore said this, that Planned Parenthood's plan is replete with everything the Negro needs to commit race suicide. We knew then, in the 60s, 
with Planned Parenthood, with the Eugenic Society, what Mark Crutcher was talking about, was all true. We knew exactly where it was going. But somewhere along the line, leadership flipped. Yeah, we were talking about it. And this is Walter Hoy uh, from the National Black Pro-Life Union, Issues for Life. Uh, We're going to hold him over to the next second. But we were actually talking about that uh, just a little bit earlier about how we have bought into uh, this deception. We bought into and we've lost sight of the fact the reason why abortion was pointed at us directly. And so it was just becoming so mind boggling why black people were such support of maintaining Roe v. Wade, and I believe it's just because of ignorance. We're talking to Walter Hoy. We're talking about the issue of the Roe v. Wade being overturned. We're talking about what that means to the black community. And I'm going to pose the question on the other side. Walter, was abortion genocide in the black community? Do you think we're overstating it when we say it's genocidal? Stay with us. On the other side of this break, we're going to get to that issue. Black and Right Radio, AM 560. Now, more Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Black and Right Radio with John Anthony. I am not John Anthony. This is the Reverend Cecil LaFleur, the Bishop of Truth, who's sitting in for him and also in the studio with me today is, as usual, Verlon the Troublemakers here, and he's doing exactly what he's supposed to, making trouble. But we also have Reverend Dr. Eric Wallace uh, from Freedom's Journal in the studio with us. And before the break, we were having a very interesting conversation with Walter Hoy uh, from the National Black Pro-Life Union talking about the aftermath of the Roe v. Wade decision and what abortion means to the black community and what kind of impact, impact has it had on us. But also joining us on the line from down south, the southern way, is Catherine Davis. And uh, she's on the line to to talk about this whole issue of Roe v. Wade, what it means to the black community and what abortion has done to us. Catherine, welcome to the line. Thank you for having me. Wonderful to have you. And Walter's still on the line as well. And Walter, before the break, I posed the question. uh, You know, we talk about abortion and some of us say abortion was genocide. It's the black community. Are we overstating it or is that a reality? That's definitely a reality. When you take a look at the leading causes of death in black America, I'm talking about heart disease, cancer, diabetes, homicide. I can go on on down the line. The government lists 13 leading causes of death. Today, if you take a look at the number of deaths from black abortions, just black abortions alone, it exceeds at least five or six of the leading causes of death in black America. Abortion by itself is the number one cause of death in black America. So it's not being overstated. Catherine. Yes. Yeah. You're input on the same question. You know, is it genocide and what, what should, what should we be doing about that? I mean, we celebrate Roe v. Wade being overturned, but that's not enough in order to be able to turn the hearts and minds of black Americans. How do we get this message over to them? Well, I just, I'm just leaving a conference today, a luncheon that uh, is in Charlotte, North Carolina, with 500 strong black women, uh, where we uh, talked about life and the impact that abortion has had, has had. And in that meeting, I talked about reparations, not from the government, but from Planned Parenthood and all of the companies that supported them in the genocide that they led the way toward. 
There's no doubting. They acknowledged themselves in 2020 that um, uh, their founder, Margaret Sanger, was a racist. They acknowledged that their organization is, is a systemically racist, white supremacist organization that has caused reproductive harm to women of color. It is time that they pay for the harm that they've caused. That multi-billion dollar empire needs to give reparations to the women, women the many black women uh, across the country that they have harmed. Women who now want children but can't have children uh, because of their boxed abortions or women who uh, they killed and now they're their living children um, are without mom because of uh, a botched abortion in one of Planned Parenthood centers like Cleo and, and Tanya Reed. It's time that they pay. Uh, excuse me for a second. How you doing? My name is Verlon. I want to start off by saying I agree with you both, but I don't represent all of America. So I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute. Now, don't play his advocate. Uh, just, just have a contrary. Okay, opinion. well, I'm just going to play advocate, uh, advocate of the left. Okay, how about that? Okay, if the court would have overreached, because to me it sounds like you want to go federal and just end abortion, period. I'm pretty sure it's some issues that you would say falls under states' rights, and you wouldn't want the federal government to overreach on those issues, whatever they may be. So you don't believe that states have the right to make up their own laws when it comes to abortion, and you would federalize uh, a ban on abortion? Walter, why don't you take about it at that first? Well, definitely. I don't think anybody, Eric, Caesar, I don't think any of you guys would agree that slavery should be legalized. No, 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 no I, don't, I don't believe but, that. By way of the, but by way of the 13th Amendment, you can't legalize slavery no more. It's done. None of us would, would agree with that. None of us going to go back and be slaves. I'm saying they should have done the same thing with taking the lives of our children in the womb. And so when they did that, they not only did the 13th Amendment that made slavery, period, illegal in America. No state could go along with slavery anymore. To top that off, they did personhood by way of the 14th Amendment, 1866, 1867, and that made it permanent. Because from that point on, black Americans were considered persons. And so everything in the United States Constitution applies to us. I think abortion should have been done the same way. From the moment of fertilization, that child inside the room, that boy or girl, is a person, a human being created in the image of God. So that's the target we have now, Walter. That's our goal, is to be able to see that done through that. Dr. Wallace? Yeah, I was going to say, um, I don't think that the, the court could have done that because I, I think, you know what, obviously what happened with the 13th, 14th, 15th minute, it had to come through, there, there's a process right. that it has to come through this, the um, Congress. Congress, Congress first, and then it's got to go through the state, ratified in the states, for the, then to become part of the Constitution, right. so to pr- protect, uh, protect life. I'm, I'm in agreement with you that, you know, if we can't enslave people, we shouldn't be able to kill people. Right. So, if, so if the baby is a real person, uh, which we believe that it is, it shouldn't, no state should be able to... Um, say that 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 children should be should be aborted but i think there's a process and i don't think that the um supreme court. the supreme court could have done 
any more than what it did. I think it's opened the door for that, though. Would you agree? I disagree with that, Eric, and let me tell you why. Um, the court had before it the question of, of um, overturning Roe. In the Roe v. Wade opinion, um, one of the concurring opinion, I can't remember which one of the justices asked the question, but they asked the question, exactly. if the baby is a person, then the um, the desire to abort that person would no longer be appropriate because of the 14th Amendment. We already have a process. We already have an amendment. And they could have recognized the personhood of the child this time in the job decision. Um, but they didn't do it. So in order to get that to happen now, I do think we would need another case. But it was something that they very much could have done if they wanted to because it was raised, personhood was raised in the original Roe v. Wade decision. And they kind of shuffled that question off to the side, saying that the science wasn't there in order to be able to determine when the child in the womb became a person. But I, I think that it would be an automatic appeal by at least half the country, maybe 24, 25 states, and it may be overturned, you know, if you try to federalize it that way. It, should, it, it still falls mm-hmm. under, or it, it still will fall under overreach by the Supreme Court. Right, okay, but thank you. Well, Listen, I we dis- only have a- I disagree with you on the overreach question as well, because if the child in the womb is a person, which we know that the child is, right then the child is automatically entitled to due process and equal protection under the law. That was the whole point of the 14th Amendment. So it's not federal overreach. It is the court recognizing the personhood of the child and enforcing the 14th Amendment because that is the basis for personhood. But as, but as that a, was the basis for ending slavery. Well, listen, Catherine and Walter, I do appreciate you guys calling in. Over the years, I've learned so much from you, and I've also learned how devastating abortion has been on the black community. That's why it breaks my heart to see black people uh, lamenting the fact that Roe was overturned. And so I'm hoping that we'll come to a day where there's an awakening, a spiritual awakening in this nation, whereas by no one will tolerate uh, what the evil that's represented in abortion. And so I appreciate the work that you guys are out there doing. You all are holding up the banner. You guys are carrying the flag. You all are, are teaching and reaching people. And I pray that you would continue. I celebrated with you all the other day. But also, I continue to work with you all because I know a day is going to come when we will see an end to this legislatively and where the people won't accept it at all because it's not in us. Thank you, Walter. Thank you, Catherine. All of the callers on the line, stay tuned. We're going to get to you on the other side of the break. Uh, Mark Waymiller, the man on the street, is down at the Trump rally. We want to hear from him. And also, we have a uh, gentleman on the phone from Olympia Fields who's talking about the summit, Dr. Wallace. We'll see you on the other side of this break. Thank you so much. We now return to Black and White on AM560. The answer. Here's John Anthony. Eugenicists believed that Africans were inferior, not just mentally, but physically. 
and that left to themselves, left alone, they would not make it. The problem is, it didn't work. With that failure, the eugenicists moved on to what is known as positive eugenics. In positive eugenics, the eugenicists wanted the white population to reproduce, to have so many children that it overwhelmed the black population. But that didn't work either. Next, they moved on to what they called negative eugenics. They knew that they could not round up all the blacks in the nation and execute them, so they decided to create an environment where they would convince the blacks to severely limit the number of children they were going to have and thereby commit race suicide. Welcome back to Black and White Radio. And that was Cotty Eller from the documentary Ma'afa 21. And we were talking to Catherine Davis and Walter Hoy from the National Black Pro-Life Union in the previous segment. And we talked about the impact of abortion on the black community. We talked about the aftermath of the Roe v. Wade decision sending abortion back to the states. Once again, I want to remind everybody the Supreme Court decision did not outlaw abortion. It simply sent it back to the states so the states can decide. So, for instance, Illinois uh, has put it in our Constitution. We've codified it there, whereby abortion will remain legal. But you heard what uh, Connie was just sharing a whole about the whole thing about eugenics and how abortion was directed directly at the black community uh, in order to be able to uh, limit our population, reduce our population, basically get rid of people that the early people didn't want us to have here. And so abortion had a definite negative impact on the black community. Dr. Wallace, which why it confuses me why you had the black response to the overturning Roe v. Wade. Not all black people, but a significant amount of black people because of their loyalty to the Democrat Party, I believe, uh, came out and they lamented that. And so I wonder, as I pose to them, how did we get here? Did we not know about this? Uh, like I said, uh, I, I just think that, uh, a lot of us have lost our first love, if, if you will. I'll mm. Take that from uh, um, Revelation. Mm-hmm. That, uh, especially in the church, I can't. I can't speak for those out in the secular world. I mean, they're going to believe what they believe, right? Because it's it's you know, women will say it's it's my body. I can do what I want, but somebody needs to tell them it's not their body because it was their body. They'd have four arms, four legs, two heads. Right. You know, <laughs> right. It, it's it's the baby's body. Absolutely. And so understanding that and that you know. Um, what um, Walter was talking about personhood is yes. that person's a, a, a person. I just recently wrote a piece that was talking about um, looking at Jeremiah and, and how God called him before he was, before he even formed him. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So is, is that a person? Uh, it's it's it, not like a person you know, to me. Yeah, God absolutely. is talking, talking about this, you know, he's about to form this person in the, in the womb and he's already got something set for Jeremiah to do, to right. be a prophet to the nations. Right. So, absolutely. you know, it's, you can't read that and, and then say uh, abortion is not um, is not a sin. Listen, so. callers on the line, Mark, Tony, Nancy, I'm going to get to you in just a second. But uh, Walter was talking about he wished that they had gone about it another approach for line. And you responded to that because his thing was about the, you know, uh, like they did with the 14th Amendment. They wanted to go and establish personhood in the child. So they make it illegal to kill that child because the child's a person. You disagree with that. You say that's overreaching, encroaching, encroaching on the rights of the states. What do you, what do you that's mean That's right. That? Because, see, they're, they're already slaves are already people. You got to understand, I don't believe, being a conservative, I don't believe in federalizing everything. And I don't believe in cherry picking because like I started off by telling them, it's going to be certain laws that you're going to feel that should be left up to the state. Every state has their own definition of when a child is a person. You all believe in the Bible. That's great. 
but everybody doesn't believe in conception. Do you okay? believe in science? And and I was about to say that. Yeah. Certain scientists says heartbeat. Certain scientists say when it's six weeks. Some say 14 weeks. Every state should decide if they want to ban it outright or when a child is a child. That's why I say leave it up to the states. We're already getting to a point where we're going to separate anyway. But if you overreach like that, it will be a crisis in America. I don't know which ideal is going to bring on a civil war, but it's going to be one of them. It's going to be one that's pulled by the heartstrings. But you should leave it up to the states. States' rights. Don't say you believe in states' rights if you don't. If you believe in federalism or you believe in states' rights, and you believe every state should, should make up their own, their own laws. Okay, but let me just ask you this. Because I think sometimes with all the rhetoric on both sides, we lose sight of what we're actually talking about. We are talking about ending the lives of human beings. Mm-hmm. When that baby has a heartbeat, that baby is a living human being. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that we ought to leave it up to states about when they're going to recognize the humanity of a child in the womb. It's when that child becomes a living life, an entity, conception, and the child starts developing. What's developing after conception is a human being, a human child. It's not a goat. It's not a pig. It's not any of those things. It's a human being. And if we recognize the personhood of those babies in the womb, and then we ought to be able to afford them the right, the most essential right, the right to life. Because if you don't have the right to life, none of the other rights even matter at all. And it looks like we're not going to be able to get over this until we get uh, on the other side of this break, because Verlon is sitting over there like he's chomping at the bit, want to go back at it. But I just once again remind everybody, what we're talking about here are the lives of babies. And is it okay for us as a people to just wantonly take those lives for the convenience of the adults? Everybody who supported slavery, Dr. Wallace, were already free. Everybody who supports maintaining abortion are already alive. And so we have to be careful about losing sight of that. Black and White Radio, call us right on the other side of the break. And then we have Sylvia from Houston calling in. It's the show the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. It's Black and Right with John Anthony on AM 560, The Answer. Maybe I'm foolish, maybe I'm blind, thinking I can see through this. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Black and Right radio program with John Anthony. Once again, this is the Bishop of Truth, Reverend Cecil LaFleur, sitting in for John. And we had Verlon and Reverend Dr. Eric Wallace on the line. And we've had some callers on the line that we want to run through very quickly. Callers, when I get to you, I want you to go directly to your point, because we do have another guest calling in on the line. And so we're going to start with Nancy, Nancy in Prospect Heights. Go ahead, Nancy. Uh, yes. Um, well, <laughs> the one that was saying that this is far reached, I don't agree with him because there's a scripture that God says, I, when, I knew you before I created you in the womb. That's right. So therefore he knew the baby that was going to be, you know, uh, born. Okay, then there's this uh, scripture in uh, Proverbs that says, these six things doeth I hate. And part of it is a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent Innocent blood. blood. Yes. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that, I'll just repeat it. A proud look. Isn't that the abortionist that's wearing his his uh, white coat as a proud looking doctor? Right. All right. But then a Na- lying tongue. Nancy, we got and someone the mother- on the line who's going to talk about that in more detail. They said you wanted to say something about Chris Butler. 
Oh, I think he's. There's no such thing as a Democrat uh, conservative. There's no such thing. He posed himself as something that there is. There is no. I mean, there might have been some merit to that party way back in the old times, but today, okay. if you go to that left. You have joined the Democrat rats. Okay. And you can't even spell the word Democrat without spelling the word rat. Or eliminate that. All right, Nancy, thank you, thank the, you, thank you for that. We're just glad that he's, a, uh, that he's a pro-life Democrat, and so we thank God for that. Tony, Tony in Olympia Fields. Go ahead real quick. Hey, how you, hey, how you doing? Uh, how you doing, Mr. Uh, Wallace? Uh, I'm one of your frat brothers. I met you a few years ago at Alpha Functions. And uh, just glad to uh, hear from you. I plan on getting uh, registered for your summit. I looked at the lineup, and um, I like uh, all the people that you're going to oh, have there. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, I downloaded your app and everything. And I just want to say I'm happy and elated about the decision from the Supreme Court yesterday, as well as the previous day, the Supreme Court decision on the Second Amendment as well. And I'm looking forward to you. Um, looking forward to getting out of Illinois after a while, too. Can't stand dealing with these uh blue state people because they're so ignorant. <laughs> All right. Thanks, <laughs> thanks Tony. Tony. Mark Way Miller, the man on the street. Mark, give us a, a brief update about what's happening at the Trump rally. Hey, it's Mark Way Miller, man on the street. I'm down here near Quincy, Illinois. There's about 10,000 people here so far. The president's going to speak at seven o'clock. So if you want to come on down, there's plenty of room, plenty of parking. And so that's near Quincy. It's Menden, Illinois at the Adams County Fairgrounds. President Trump's here, and he's going to endorse Mary Miller. Also, Darren Bailey and Gary Rabine are down here, too. Also, Thomas DeVore. It's the place to be. So if you're anywhere near here, come on over to the Adams County Fairground. Hey, thanks, Mark, for that. And look out for John Anthony because he's on his way. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. And Mark Mark Vargas is on the way, too. So I'm looking for him right now. I got a seat saved for him. Excellent. We'll see you guys soon. Great show. Great show. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Listen, on the line, we have a a friend of mine from uh, Houston, Texas. Her name is Sylvia Johnson Johnson Matthews, and she is the director of the Houston Pregnancy Centers in Houston, Texas. And she has been a strong advocate for life over the years and a real good partner in this ministry. Uh, And she runs the pregnancy centers there where she's providing help and services for black women, well, all women in the Houston area. Sylvia, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. It's great great to be here, Pastor. Great to talk to you. And also we got the Eric Wallace, who also interviewed both of us on his program, he's in the studio along with Verlon. And actually, we talked to uh, Walter Hoy and Catherine Davis a little bit earlier in the show, and we were talking about the aftermath of the Roe v. Wade decision. And so I'm interested in what do you think about that, the decision coming down? Are you happy or what? <laughs> I say hallelujah, Jesus. Mm. Children, innocent, unborn children will live. I think this was the biggest genocidal uh, reproach to black babies that I've ever witnessed that we could ever, ever imagine. And I'm grateful now that women um, can separate um, a right to kill their unborn children with the Constitution. I am so grateful for that. Remember, we were there once before uh, during the Dred Scott decision, and, and now uh, we, we're back at this point. So I'm really happy for that. I'm happy that in 38 years of serving women, that were abortion vulnerable, that was only 38 years of practice. Uh, Today, I get to do the real work of helping these moms and finding resources and helping with medical services and diapers and supplies for their children, helping them to find formula 
in a country where it's hard to even find baby formula right now, but abortion is on demand. So was on demand as of, you know, prior to yesterday. So I am excited that my, I think my work has just begun. Yeah, absolutely. My work has just Absolutely. Well, it, unfortunately, in Illinois, it's inculcated into our laws, our very constitution. So it's still available here. And we're afraid that this is going to become it already has become like the abortion Mecca of the Midwest, where people from other states come. I want you to remain uh, after this break, because I want to talk to you about what you have experienced uh, in your pregnancy help center since that draft was leaked about the decision coming down the line. We did hear about uh, pregnancy help centers that would be in vandalized and people were being threatened and just all kind of horrible things in the aftermath of this. And so I'd want to hear about what you guys are experiencing there in Houston and to share some more insight about the Roe v. Wade decision and what the impact of abortion has meant to the black community. This is the Black and Right radio program, and this is Cecil LaFleur standing in for John Anthony. And we'll get Verlon and Dr. Wallace to chip in on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. Stand by, Sylvia. Black and Right continues on AM560. Once again, here's John Anthony. Yeah, and once again, welcome back. This is uh, Cecil Floor, Bishop of Truth. And on the line, we have Sylvia Johnson Matthews from Houston, Texas, and the Houston Pregnancy Centers. And Dr. Wallace had an interesting question. He wanted us to give you an opportunity to focus in on more, Sylvia, of what pregnancy help centers actually do. I think uh, you guys, you know, people look at you and just connect you with somebody, think their rights are being violated. But what, what do you actually do for women in these uh, pregnancy situations? Okay, pregnancy centers are an amazing organization that provides free services to women in unplanned pregnancy situations. Most pregnancy centers across the nation provide free pregnancy tests, free ultrasounds, prenatal vitamins, nurse consult- consultations. They have a medical doctor that oversees all of their uh, medical staff as well, professionally trained counselors, peer counselors, client advocates. It's mostly ran by volunteers. We actually help the women from um, realizing the moment that they realize they're pregnant to walking them through the crisis. Uh, We provide baby items, supplies, material items, diapers, all free. In addition to that, we also provide after-abortion Bible study support counseling service for women who regret the decision of the abortion, women who are wounded because of that decision that they made in haste, regret that decision and come to the pregnancy centers for love, acceptance, no judgment, and to help women find their way back to healing, back to wholeness. So, And I want to tell you something. Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. One of your main centers is in the fifth ward in Houston, right? What is that? What is your center meant to that area, to that neighborhood? Okay. The fifth ward and third ward of Houston, Texas is notorious. It's, It's known for calling, actually, the nickname is the bloody fifth. And it's notorious for human trafficking crimes. Um, and, and, and it's also a beautiful uh, community of strong uh, black leaders and older black people as well, churches and all that. It was also targeted that we recently had the largest Planned Parenthood in the United States within walking distance of our community. So they found a community where the African-Americans and Hispanics, people of color live, and they placed the largest Planned Parenthood in the nation in the middle of that community. So to hear this was this, this 
oh my goodness, reaching up to the sky building. And we came into that community to bring a culture of life, yes. a culture of hope and free services to women in unplanned pregnancy situations. Wow. Sounds amazing. And Sylvia, I wish we had a lot more time in order to be able to hear more from you. I appreciate you so much. I've known you over the years in your ministry, what you're doing, you're doing God's work. And I pray that God would protect you and every other pregnancy center that stands open from the wrath of the enemy who, uh, like people say, nobody mad, but the devil Roe v. Wade has made Mm -hmm. the devil very, very mad. And so I pray Mm -hmm. that you will be well and, and protected and God will continue to provide for you and thank you so much for calling in thank you sylvia thank you so much thank you bye-bye well hey this has gone by really really quick appreciate verlon being here to troublemaker to help me get through this and dr wallace thank you for coming in and once again tell us about uh, how we can find out more about your upcoming summit black conservative summit so you go to blackconservativesummit.net blackconservativesummit.net there's all kinds of information there um, we've, we've invited Ben, Ben Carson. We've invited uh, Kay, Kay James, uh, Bob Woodson. Many of you all know Pastor Corey Brooks. We may even let Pastor Cecil LaFleur show up and be a part of it. <laughs> all right. Well, well, listen, everybody, please uh, go, go to that website and find out information about that upcoming summit. Let me just thank John Anthony for trusting me with his program today, Verlon and I. Pray that we didn't run it into a brick wall, that it'll still be a program here next week when he comes back. And want to thank you all. And the callers on the line, if we didn't get to you, I'm so sorry. But the subject matter for today was very, very important, especially when it comes down to the issue of life. And I I just personally believe there's no issue more important than the issue of the sanctity of innocent human life. So once again, thank you all for listening. You can reach me at uh, www.illinoisfamily.org. Uh, find out more about the Public School Exit Project. And thank you all for being a listener to AM560, Black and White Radio. And we'll see you guys again next week. God bless you all. God bless America. <laughs>